Welcome to the book summary of Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Notes on startups or how to build the future. The book was published in 2014 and weighed 224 pages. If you want to build a better future, you must believe in secrets. The great secret of the time is that there are still uncharted frontiers to explore and new inventions to create. In Zero to One, legendary entrepreneur and investor Peter Thiel shows how we can find singular ways to create those new things. The book presents at once an optimistic view of the future, of progress, and a new way of thinking about innovation. It starts by learning to ask the questions that lead you to find value in unexpected places. The book is available on Amazon with the link in the description if you like what you hear. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of Zero to One. Chapter One, The Challenge of the Future. The chapter starts with a discussion around Peter's favorite interview question. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? He says the question is challenging because it requires respondents to reflect and talk about knowledge they've created for themselves, not taught in schools, to become socially unpopular by taking a different stance. He justified this approach by saying that brilliant thinking is rare, but courage is even shorter supply than genius. By continuing this argumentation around how hard it is to imagine something that doesn't exist and predict future solutions, the author proposed the following graph to differentiate progress as we see it today by creating a distinction between vertical intensive progress, technology, and horizontal extensive progress globalization. Let's look at the graph below. The graph indicates technology versus globalization. On the left, we're looking at the vertical intensive progress and then on the right, we're looking at the horizontal extensive progress. The difference between technology versus globalization. Why startups? Startup equals largest group of people you can convince of a plan to build a different future. Chapter 2, Party Like It's 1999. Economic landscape on that period, the 1990. Economic migration of investment in the USA from bricks to clicks. 1997. Economical crash in Thailand. 1999, launch of the euro. And 1998 to 2000, the dot-com mania. PayPal was founded in 1998 with the goal of creating a new internet currency to replace the dollar. And managed to raise funds in 2000 right before the dot-com crash. Chapter 3, all happy companies are different. All happy companies are different. Each one of them earns a monopoly by solving a unique problem. All failed companies are the same. They failed to escape competition. Remember the first Contarian question. Peter's next favorite question is, what valuable company is nobody building? Valuable company equals create value plus capture value. The lesson for entrepreneurs, if you want to create and capture value, don't build an undifferentiated commodity business. Perception. Firms are similar. On the left, you're going to see perfect competition, and on the right, you'll see monopoly. On firm A, you have perfect competition, and you want to build a firm B, which is gravitating towards monopoly. The author makes the difference between monopoly versus perfect competition, and explains how both this type of companies are trying to disguise themselves. Reality is, differences are deep. On the left, a perfect competition is more per firm A, and on the right, you'll find firm B is more going towards the monopoly. Examples disguise monopoly. Google has a monopoly on search, but emphasizes a small share of global online advertising. 
Example disguise perfect competition. Tries to find fake differentiators, only British restaurants in Palo Alto. And chapter four, the ideology of competition. Description of American society obsessed with competition. Eleanor, analogy of war and peace, ever present in business. MBA students carry around the copies of Charles Witts and Sun Tzu. War metaphors in business language. Headhunters, captive market, make a killing. Why do people compete? The Marx model equals, because they have different ideas and goals. The Shakespeare model. All combatants look more or less alike. Montague versus Capulet. War, in business like everywhere else, is destructive. While Microsoft and Google were obsessed to compete with each other, Apple came along and overtook them. $500 billion plus dollars in market capitalization, Apple versus $467 billion for Google plus Microsoft. Examples how far competition can go. Square copycats. Square payment copycats for mobile credit card readers. As you'll see, there's four different phones. On the left, you've got the Square original solution from 2010, and then the adaptations, which are the copies on the right. Chapter five, the last mover advantage. Value of business today equals value of earnings in the future. Twitter versus New York Times. Twitter, $24 billion valuation in 2013 IPO versus 12 New York Times market cap. Wonder why? Twitter holds monopoly of the future while publishing houses are losing business every day. Twitter has more cash flow. Characteristics of a monopoly. Proprietary technology, 10 times better than any existing solution. Network effect, start with a niche market. An economy of scale. An excellent branding. Building a monopoly. Perfect target market for a startup is a small group of particular people concentrated together and served by few or no competitors. Once you dominate a niche market, expand to adjacent markets. Always expand. Example, Amazon and eBay. Don't disrupt. Active creation is more important. Example, PayPal worked with Visa versus Napster and the music industry. The last will be the first. Instead of the first mover advantage, make the last great development in a specific market and reap the fruits of a mature ecosystem. Chapter 6. You are not a lottery ticket. Question of the day. Can you control your future? If you treat the future as something definite, it makes sense to understand it in advance and work to shape it. But if you expect an indefinite future ruled by randomness, you'll give up trying to master it. Example of the amount of extracurriculum activities required to enter elite colleges and making the argument that process trumps substance. Process trumps substance. You can expect the future to be better or worse than the present, and based on this assumption, the author draws the following graph. You'll look at the worldview. You've got pessimistic versus optimistic. You've got investments versus down the bottom, you have definite and indefinite. Up the top left, you've got the USA in the 1950s to 1960s, which was high optimism. And below that, you have the same period, China, pessimistic. Looking on the top right, you've got the USA 1982 to present, which is optimistic with low investment. And on the bottom right, you have Europe in indefinite, which is pessimistic and low. 
Okay, indefinite pessimism. Europe since 1970s. Today, Eurozone is crisis. Nobody is in charge. Don't know when the crash will happen. Enjoy life, meanwhile. Equals vacation mania. Definite pessimism. From China perspective, economic growth cannot come fast enough. Rich people try to take money outside. Poor people prepare for the worst as they know the current growth is not sustainable. Definite optimism. Western world before 1970s, big plans that were executed. Empire State Building, the Panama Canal, and the Apollo Program. Indefinite optimism. Finance eclipsed engineering as the way to approach the future. Baby boomers used to effortless progress, felt entitled to it. Chapter 7, Follow the Money. Pareto Rule or 80-20 Rule. Velfledo Pareto discovered that 20% of the people owned 80% of the land in Italy. The power lay becomes visible when you follow the money. In venture capital, investors try to profit from exponential growth in early stage companies. A few companies attain exponential greater value than all others. And chapter 8, Secrets. Why aren't people looking for secrets? Most people act as if there are no secrets left to find. Examples of geography. On the left, you'll see conventions, which is easy, secrets, which is hard, and mysteries, which is impossible. What happens when a company stops believing in secrets? Examples of Hewlett-Packard. 1990, company worth $9 billion. 2000, after a decade of inventions, first affordable color printer, first super portable laptops worth $135 billion. 2005, worth $70 billion, failed to merger with Compaq, failed consulting support shops. And 2012, worth $23 billion as a result of the abandoned search for technological secrets. Example, Fermat's last theorem. After 358 years of fruitless inquiry by other mathematicians, was demonstrated by Andrew Wills in 1995. The best place to look for secrets is where no one else is looking. Examples of nutrition. Where most of the policies were influenced by lobbyist and scientific assessments and discoveries are still yet to be developed. Chapter 9, Foundations. Beginnings are special. They are qualitatively different from all that comes afterward. Ownership, foundation, and control. Ownership, foundation, and control. Ownership equals who legally owns a company, equity, founders, employees, investors. Possession equals who actually runs the company on a daily basis, managers, and control, who formally governs the company's affairs, board of directors, which includes founders. On the bus or off the bus, everyone should be involved full-time. Cash is not king, and vested interest. Startups don't need to pay high salaries because they can offer something better, part ownership of the company itself. Equity. Can't create perfect incentives, but it's the best way for a founder to keep everyone in the company broadly aligned. Chapter 10, The Mechanics of the Mafia. Recruiting conspirators, culture, hoodies. Do one thing, build a cult. And chapter 11, If you build it, will they come? Short answer, no. Startups should care about sales just as much as they care about the product. The distribution is the bottleneck for a business. How to sell your product. You'll see on the graph, we've got on the left, viral marketing, 
which is consumer, a dollar and $100. In the middle, you have SEM, which is the dead zone. And on the right, you have sales and complex sales, which is big government and corporations, anywhere from $10,000 to $10 million. The primer on how to sell a product. CLV, customer lifetime value, versus CAC, customer acquire cost. The more expensive the product, bigger sales cost, more important to sale. Look around. If you don't see a salesperson, you're the salesperson. Chapter 12, man and machine. Complementary, human, machine versus robots will take our job. Globalization equals substitution. Technology equals complementary. Future of work. We'll look at the graph. Down the bottom left, you'll see technology, better computers, and globalization, other humans. And then on the top, you'll see supply of labor and demand for resources. So looking at supply of labor versus technology, so you've got mostly complementary, and then above that, substitution, the world is flat. On the bottom right, you'll see machines don't demand, all value goes to people. Example, Igor. Mid-2000, PayPal was losing $10 million a month because of credit card fraud, impossible to review thousands of transactions per minute. Elite team mathematicians solve problems algorithmically. Fraudsters were learning and breaking the new rules fast. Solution? Assemble a team of human analysts to review most suspicious transactions flagged by the algorithm. This hybrid system was named Igor after the Russian fraudster who claimed he will never be caught. PayPal records first profit in 2002 versus quarterly loss of $29.3 million one year before. The hybrid solution has been used by the FBI for detecting fraud and later inspired creation of Palantir. Chapter 13, Seeing Green. Most clean tech companies crashed because they neglected one or the more seven questions every business should answer. Number one, the engineering question. Can you create breakthrough technology instead of incremental improvements? Number two, the timing question. Is now the right time to start your particular business? And number three, the monopoly question. Are you starting with a big share from a small market? And number four, the people question. Do you have the right team? And number five, the distribution question. Do you have a way to deliver your product? And number six, the durability question. Will your market position be defensible 10 and 20 years into the future? And number seven, the secret question. Have you identified a unique opportunity that others don't see? Looking at the graph, you will see indefinite versus definite optimism for startups. Looking on the left, biotech startups versus software startups. Starting from the top, we have subject. With the biotech, uncontrollable organisms versus perfectly determined code. Environment, poorly understood, naturally. And on the right, well understood, artificial. And then we look at approach, indefinite, random. And on the right, definite and engineering. Regulation, heavily regulated in the biotech startups and with the software startups, basically unregulated. Looking at cost for the biotech, it's expensive. Looking at the software, it's cheap. Looking at team, high salaried, unalignable lab drones. And then on the right, committed entrepreneur hackers. About social businesses, Hundreds of undifferentiated products, all in the name of one overbroad good. Corporate green equals NGO goodness. Challenge for entrepreneurs to create energy 2.0 is to think small. Chapter 14, the founder's paradox. 
Founders are important not because they are the only ones whose working has value, but rather because of a great founder can bring out the best work for everybody at his company. People distribution of traits versus founders distribution of traits. People normal distribution of traits. On the left, you'll see frequency, and on the right, you will see average with a graph going from the bottom, the weak nerd idiot, the savant, disagreeable, outsider, poor, infamous, and then going in the middle, which is the average, and then down the bottom to the strong, athletic, the polymath, charismatic, insider, rich, and famous. The lesson for founders is that individual prominence and adultation can be exchanged for individual notoriety and demonetization at any moment. The founder's distribution of traits. Again, this is the reverse of the graph before. The greatest danger for a founder is to become so certain of his own myth that he loses his mind. But an equally insidious danger for every business is to lose all sense of myth and mistake disenchantment for wisdom. The conclusion, stagnation or singularity. Short answer, it depends on us. Four scenarios for the future. Recurrent collapse, plateau, extinction, or takeoff. Whether we achieve the singularity on a cosmic scale is perhaps less important than whether we seize the unique opportunities we have to do new things in our own working lives. The essential first step is to think for yourself. Only by seeing our world anew, as fresh and as strange as it was, to the ancients who saw it first, can we both recreate it and preserve it for the future? And that's a wrap on Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Look back on our channel for previous video book summaries and subscribe to our channel for future books. Check out our website, Best Book Bits, and audio summary. To buy the book, click the link in the video description to purchase from Amazon. Thanks for watching, and I hope you learned a thing or two. Have a great day.